Welcome to the American Roadrunner Podcast. Yep, pretty excited here today on this, the American Roadrunner Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Bob Marshall. And I'm your co-host, Brian Phillipson. Here we share stories from the road on our two-wheeled motorcycle machines. And today, boy, we got some really good ones. We got one Mr. Fellow Podcaster Danger Dan Shop Talks here on the show. Before we get started, though, we do have to tell you about some of the places where you can find us. Our website is AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. If you want to listen to this podcast and every other episode we've done in the past, we are at AmericanRoadRunnerPodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at American Roadrunner the book. Now, Roadrunner is going to be two words when you search that American Roadrunner the book. On Instagram, you can find us also at American Roadrunner, but this time Roadrunner is all one word, American Roadrunner. If you want to email us, tell us what you think about the podcast, love it, hate it, share it, subscribe, do whatever. Our email is AmericanRoadrunnerTheBook at gmail.com. All good things about to happen. Enjoy. Yes. And as promised, we're very excited here on this, the American Roadrunner podcast, to be interviewing one Mr. Danger Dan with the Shop Talk podcast. Mr. Podcaster, Chopper Runner, and excited personnel, Mr. Dan. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, how are you? Well, uh, it's been a little cold here lately. We're not used to that. I've had to uh, wear layers when I ride around. How's the weather been in Texas for you? It was windy today. I rode around a little bit. I hadn't ridden my chopper in a fuck probably a month, so it was actually really nice. Yeah, and you're uh, you're up in Fort Worth, aren't you? Yeah, I'm outside of Fort Worth, about 30, 40 minutes west. West? I got gotcha. you. Yeah, Weatherford, Texas. Nice, nice. Well, good. Well, I got to tell you, it's probably, uh, as the audience would know, very exciting to hear a fellow podcaster and chopper enthusiast. Uh, very excited to have you on here. I reckon nobody else has ever had you on their podcast before. Am I popping your cherry on this one? No, <laughs> no I got to take that. You're not popping my cherry. Nice. But it, I've been on a couple others. One of them was the Riders on the Norm. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, they did a they did a handful of episodes over a year or two. And then uh, another guy out of the Metroplex named Chase on the Fast Life Garage podcast. That Ooh. was an interesting one. Uh, yeah. I feel like I clammed up, you know, like I tried to podcast him, you know, and, and he ended up talking the whole time. Nice. You know, I, I, it was it was an interesting uh, situation, to say the least. No, I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to check that one out for sure. What's it called again? It's called the Fast Life Garage podcast. Freaking A. That's great. That's great. Well, I reckon uh, your podcast has been doing pretty good because you got this bike giveaway coming up. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm stepping out on the ledge. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's going to pay off. But, yeah, I'm going to give away Sportster. I, I, I found a, you know, a relatively cheap 2001 1200S right. for 1500 bucks, And I bought that with money that came in through my Patreon. Holy heck, your Patreon's so, doing okay. Good job. Yeah, I mean it. That was that was a few months or more worth of not spending anything because I was having trouble in some other areas. So I wasn't spending that where I would have liked to have. But I bought the bike, which was great and, and nice. Decided I was going to race it this year, 
And then I thought, well, what the hell? Why don't I just give it back to one of my uh, one of my fellow listeners that helped me buy it to begin with? So I'm already regretting that decision because <laughs> I've raced it twice and I've had so much fun. I'm like, fuck, I'm just going to have to build another one as soon as I give this one away. Yeah, I think 2001, too, that was one of the few years they had that lean sensor built in, that 5-volt lean sensor. You haven't had any trouble with that, right? So the bike's all good? Oh, no, I fucking, I dropped it today. You know, you have to turn the key off and turn it right. back on to get it to fire back up. Right, right. Don't ask me how I know that. I'm not a Harley guy, but that is, I do not own a Harley right about now. I got all jet bikes. Well, it's funny. Somebody just had to tell me that was the situation a yep. couple of days ago. My friend Adam Garley. Nice. I was telling him, I was like, man, whenever this thing, whenever I lay it down, it does not start back up. And he was like, he pulls the side cover off and he's like, well, you got this lean sensor. You need to ground it out and it'll be just fine. Yeah. Just sitting in the back. Yeah. I've gotten to play with those myself on a few of those. But, but you know, and the, the bike raffle thing, it's gotten pretty popular as you've seen, if you have been on the internet at all. Oh yeah. In the past month or so. Yeah. But you know, they're giving away pretty nice bikes. They're raffling off show bikes. I don't really want mine to be a raffle like that. Like I gener I want the listeners that are, that are listening to the podcast that are also contributing. Yeah. I want it to go to one of to one of my listeners. And it's also gonna be a fucking clapped out bike by the end of the year. Like I'm gonna race it. I'm gonna rag on it. But the listeners are gonna hear exactly what happens to the bike as the year goes on. So right. there's not gonna be any surprises when you win this thing. Right. It's uh it's gonna be what it is at the end of the year. You're gonna put it back to DOT specs for them? Absolutely not. Nice. <laughs> Headlights, taillights, I mean, let them gonna, worry about that. It's going to run. You know, I'm not not going to. It's it'll it's, it's going to. I mean, I'm going to be racing. The last race is in November. So, yeah. you know, it'll it'll be whatever it is after that. I'm going to. I'm not going to be. We'll see. I don't know. That's right. Fuck, <laughs> it could blow up. It could be a fucking pile of ashes by the end of the year. I just that's don't right. know. Oh, that's great. What circuit are you racing on? with it man nothing specific you know all the events and rallies i like to go to they they all have fucking races of some sort and last year i was racing my 59 chopper at a lot of them nice and that was a lot of fun and i you know i just can't i'm not one to go to the races and not be able to race right uh so that was kind of the made me want to build this bike with this just have a race bike with me while I'm at these events to, to race, you know, and compete. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, no, good on you. Well, it's a good one. There you I, have I it. know I've threatened to do a few hooligans myself. Of course I'd be on a KZ 1000 or a KZ 650 or something. And I know it's all 750 or above, but I would, the hooligan guys have been kind enough to tell me, yeah, go ahead and breed it down. We'll let you race with us. But I haven't gotten that sophisticated yet. The only flat track racing I've done is on one of my little rebel two fifties. And that's been a lot of fun, but they end up breaking up the class a bit, and that's with the uh, SCFTA. Um, so, you know, I haven't done too much with it. Mo mostly I'm just giving them someone to beat, so that, that's been my contribution to flat track racing so that's far. Awesome. But it's a lot of fun. My little yeah, dude when, goes out there and has a lot of fun too, so. Yeah, my kid likes going in circles too. Oh, really? Your little dude's out there flat tracking? Yeah, I got a five-year-old. He's got a little TTR, man. He's fucking... He smoked the motor last year, so 
Right. It's, uh, we should we should be getting the cylinder and head back from the machine shop soon. I uh, I wish I wouldn't have taken. I wish I would have just done it. But I was like, no, nah, fuck. We're gonna I'm gonna let somebody trick this fucking top end out for you, kid. And, yeah. Well, two months later, we still haven't seen it. So. Yeah, that's always a hard one. I know. I've I've gotten real lucky and either just replaced engines or. Uh, you know, gotten to do most of the work myself. I got a buddy locally who has a machine shop. So he's, I just walk in and say, here, you can either do this right now or I can do it right now. It's up to you. And I get her done that day. So I'm pretty fortunate in that regard because it's a hard yeah, one. Yeah, that's handy. Yeah. But you know, if you, it seems like the longer you wait, the better it'll be. So hopefully that works out for you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully for my kid. I mean, he's got, we got a CRF 52 and he, you know, that's, that's yeah. still running, so oh, he's yeah. got a bike he can ride, right? Cool. That's way cool. Your Harley, 59 pan turn shovel. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, man, I I blew it up a couple times, and those pan heads are just fucking trash, so yeah. I, I traded them in for some shovels. Well, I'll get a little personal, and I'll tell you, that's uh, the same uh, engine my pops had in his chop that I grew up with, and uh, he, uh, you know, so I, I, I grew up with this slung out little wheel in front, you know, back brake only. Uh, he had a mousetrap on it, so he had the regular hand clutch. But I can uh, I can tell you all the ins and outs of that engine because the engine was right at my eyesight, you know, when I was a little guy. So it was real nice yeah. to uh, touch everything and see how everything works when it wasn't hot. But boy, it had to be. And I write about this in my book how exciting it was to watch him jump that thing to life and how strange it looked because it had no shocks in the back and. You know, he just go bouncing down the road, bouncing down into the into the gutter, you know, into the street, and it was pretty exciting. So I can imagine, I can imagine your kids get the same excitement watching you on that thing. Oh yeah, yeah they hadn't heard it run in a month, and when I came back in, I was like, "You guys hear the fucking chopper?" And they both came over and gave me big high fives. Right? Like, Hell yeah, pop! That's sweet. That's sweet. Well, good. So you've gotten to put a few miles on that thing, gotten to go a few places. Yeah. So. You know, I scored that thing in a barn down the street from my house. It was, I mean, I got the motor. It was, uh-huh. it was in a, it's like somebody built a Captain America bike, but with a Texas flag theme instead. Nice, nice. But it was, it was all like late model Paco, PM brakes, like everything was, it was built in the 90s. But nice. The only thing that was original was that motor, 59 with a Harley title. Right. So I had this straight leg pan head frame that I was running the nose cone shovel in with a, an old extended Springer. And I did pretty much did a motor swap and put my nose cone shovel in that Captain Texas America bike and uh-huh. sold it for the same price that I bought it with the pan head motor in it. Perfect. Freaking perfect. That's so great. it, uh, that's the only way I could afford a generator motor really was right. to swap my cone for it. And I did 20,000 miles the first year on it. That's and crazy. when I first got it, I took the heads off just to like, the, the D-rings were underneath the rocker covers instead of being on top of them. Huh. So it wouldn't even fit in the frame. So once I took that off, I pulled the heads off. You could stick your hand in there and you could move the pistons around in the cylinders. Oh, geez. And I, and I asked my machinist, I'm like, what do you think about that? And he was just like, ah, fuck it, run it. Right, and he was right, man. I did twenty thousand miles, and I was on. I, I was like, one more weekend, I'm going to take one more trip, and then I'm going to pull the top end off. Yeah. And on the way back from that trip, about an hour from the house, dude, it just went boom. 
about blew the fucking spark plug out the top of the front head. Ouch. Just grenaded. So I rebuilt it. Uh, One of my listeners gave me a front pan head. Wow. And then on the way to Daytona, like the opening trip, I did some shakedown runs, and then I took off to Daytona, ran great, and then it fucking didn't run great. And what happened is I lost a wrist pin clip. Ouch. And it just machined a you know, right. a ditch in the cylinder. Right. And those heads were fucking toast, man. So mm-hmm. when I rebuilt it the third time or second time, I put the shovel heads on it and a magneto. Right. Good. Good for you. And, no, I, I, it, I remember my dad telling me he had to get his generator rebuilt once, and the guy charged him like $100. Of course, this was back in the mid-'70s. And it was, you know, it was such a pain in the ass. My pops was so pissed about spending that kind of money. I mean, at the time, I think his house payment was less than 200 bucks. you know, so it was a big wow. deal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that, and that was all here in Riverside, San Bernardino. Uh, you know, some of the, some of the original chopper, the guy who helped him out a lot was a guy by the name of Carl, Carl Koch, I think was his name. Anyways, he owned action choppers here on main street, downtown Riverside, but he was the one who helped my pops put the bike together. And I remember my dad telling me he got the frame. He traded a sissy bar for his frame for a slung out freaking frame and the forks. He traded a sissy bar for it. (laughs) Must have been a sweet sissy bar. uh, Yeah, and I, you know, we don't think about it, but back then you had to have something for the passenger to grab onto. It was the law, and so that's where sissy bars came from. If you had a passenger, the passenger could grab onto the sissy bar. It's no longer the law, of course, but um, you know that that's why sissy bars were such a big deal back then. I think we forget that sometimes, and we use them as either you have them or you don't. You know, where's the bike now? Oh, he sold it when I was a little guy. I must have been, uh, I must have been four or five, maybe six when he sold it. I think my first memory is helping him push it over, push it over the oil hole so he could lay it on its side and let all the oil drain out of it in the backyard. But um, yeah, I, I don't know where it is now. I've asked around. We still got some of the old chopper guys around here, and they're not familiar with it because they've all seen the pictures. I've got all these great pictures of him riding this thing. And, uh, you know, they're, none of them are familiar with it. So I reckon it left the area. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Unless, unless somehow you got it for all we know, it's in your freaking back right now. Who knows? You know, it might be right. <laughs> Although it all really, the good stuff's kind of going be. to Japan these days, it seems. So you got a rare bird there. Good for you. I'm glad to hear you're running it. I, uh, I just had to do an engine swap on my KZ 1000, uh, cop chop. Uh, that my, uh, well, that my book's kind of written around the one that I've raced in the stampede and whatnot. Yeah. So that's nice. It's all done. The engine did real well. I was a little worried about it, but it it performed well. I took it for a ride today. I'm pretty excited to have my cop chop back because it was down for a few months while I, while I found another donor engine. So yeah, one of my favorite choppers here in Texas, my buddy, Billy Frank out in Henderson, he's got a KZ 1000 chopper and he's had it for like 20 years i think and you know, he's ridden that thing everywhere and man that four to one exhaust makes my fucking harley sound like it was made at play school you know fucking <laughs> for a little kid dude yeah his bike is so fucking tough dude it sounds so mean oh yeah and i i love it because i've got a four to one exhaust and i scored my exhaust off of my buddy shinya kimura who uh 
you know, is a chopper builder, fellow land speed racer. And I think it's actually off of Suzuki. So he helped me figure out how to mount it. But it doesn't use those plat those uh, placing collars. The collars are built on the exhaust pipe, so it makes it a lot easier installing it. Anyways, but yeah, it's great to jump on a scoot and everybody's rumbling and my scoot's going ring, ring, ring. You know, oh, man, it just makes my day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah everybody expects it to rumble like a harley or something but of course my chop is pretty untraditional i've got the i've got the gas tank up front the spare fuel cell up front and then uh, i extended it i just extended it 10 inches dropped it four inches so it's uh it's pretty bare bones but I, i've got i don't know i've got an oil cooler on it these days when I first put it together several years ago for the stampede I had a few other I had like a panty dropping horn on it and a few other weird things but as long as I got a cigarette lighter you know as long as I got a cigarette lighter and a freaking coffee cup holder or three that bike has three coffee cup holders but whatever I like to keep it safe. three coffee cup holders man I got thirsty out in the middle of nowhere going 24 7 you know you get thirsty Do you keep coffee in all of them or you keep like Fucking moonshine in one, coffee nice. in one, and water in one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just coffee and water. The third one's for a passenger if I'm lucky enough to have one. Gotcha. Right. I can't imagine you're taking any passengers on the stampede race. No, no, I haven't I haven't done that, but I have had passengers on it for other treks and but no, for the most part, it's just been me and the bike. The bike's pretty I mean, I built it around me and I think I know Chopper Charlie and I were chatting about that a few podcasts ago. Everyone thinks choppers, you know, are, are, are built to punish people, but, uh, you know, they're really built around us, and we find a way to make them yeah. comfortable. I promise you, my chopper is a lot more comfortable hauling ass cross-country than my Goldwing is. You know, the seat's built around, everything's just built, I just built everything around me, you know? No, I do know. I mean, my chopper, fuck, I think it's great. You know, it may not have suspension, <clears throat> but about 12 PSI in the back, Dude, you mm. just you don't run into the fucking potholes. Uh, yeah, that's. I right. even put a high, I even put a wide glide on it here in the last year, so I don't even have a Springer anymore. But the Springer was great too. Like I always hear people bitching about how bad those are pogoing around corners. I never really never had that experience. Mine was always fucking great. You know, I could still do Springer wheelies and yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I thought it was. It was pretty awesome. It got there at the end. It got pretty fucking clapped out, probably from doing too many wheelies and in dirt roads. Yeah, it adds. And when up. I took it off, the bottom, the neck bearing, like the neck cup. Yeah. That you press into the neck that holds the bearings. The part that presses into the neck was completely sheared off from the actual cup, and Jesus. the bearing was like melted to the cup. Wow. So it like when you turned, you were the cup was just like grinding up against the neck. That's great. And I thought that it was my front end all jacked up, but uh, I'm probably could just put it back on there now that I've got a new neck cup in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, parts do wear out, and that's we forget that. I've learned what wears out on my scoots, but stuff sometimes stuff wears out, sometimes not. Sometimes you're pretty. You're pretty fortunate and have it last almost forever, but you learn what wears out and what doesn't. What what needs yeah, attention? Yeah, I mean you do. Yeah, if you if you give it proper maintenance, that a lot of that shit will last a long time. Yeah, 
Right, but we live in such a throwaway society here in our great American culture. A lot of people don't spend the time to do that. But Yeah, it's amazing. I think that's like one of the next big shifts that uh, is hopefully going to happen soon. People will start producing stuff that lasts longer. Well, and I think if people build a better relationship, <laughs> this is something else I talk about in my book, but you got to have a relationship with your stuff and you got to be okay knowing what your stuff is doing. And boy, with YouTube videos these days, I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't have that. I had to go to the library or ask the old guy down the street who, you know, may or may not give me the answer I need. I mean, it was, it was rough to figure out how to wrench on stuff. And my dad's an engineer more than a wrencher. My dad wrenched a little, but he certainly, uh, you know, never did the kind of stuff I did. But he was an engineer, and I'm a mechanic, so mostly we just had a lot of fun arguing about stuff. <laughs> How stuff yeah. Well, you know, but that, that also goes back to those relationships. Like, right. you were able to build relationships with other people by reaching out and trying to find the information. Right, right. Uh, Whereas when you just get it from the internet where you're disconnected from its source because the source is just your computer, you don't necessarily get to meet the person that went through the time and learn the lessons to teach you a lesson. Well, uh, you're right. You know, that's, that's, that's a lot more valuable when you, it might've been more difficult for you, but you probably got more out of it. Well, and I've, I've had to learn, I, you know, I'm 40 something these days. Uh, well, I'm 42, but I've had to learn there's a younger generation that's coming up. And so as I get older, they start asking me the questions. And, boy, I really sound like a grumpy old man if you let me. I just don't <laughs> just don't keep it. Hell, you're not even that old. I dude. know. I know, right? But they're busy asking me the questions. And I'm going, well, do me a favor and find a way to ask me the correct question. But they don't even always know what the correct question is. And that, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning to not be a grumpy old man. Well, you're nicer than me. My, I'm just like, have you even looked on the internet yet? Before you come and ask me that fucking question, exactly. have you Googled it? Right. You know, and that's <laughs> exactly. like completely contradictive to what I was just saying a minute ago. Right. Uh, whereas if somebody is willing to reach out and ask instead of just fucking look at the internet, uh, right. I don't know. Right. I've looked at the internet, uh, Mr. Marshall, and uh, this is what I've come up with. What's your opinion on it? Dude, kid, you're freaking in. Sit down. I'm buying you a beer. You know? <laughs> I'm going to tell you everything you need to know, and then I'm going to give you all my opinions because I'm an asshole, and I've got a lot of opinions. So, oh, that's hilarious. Well, we'll see how it goes. So, I think uh, you're getting pretty excited about uh, trailering your race back around this year. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm excited to go to Daytona. I'm uh, nice. You know, Daytona is not an event that I would have ever gone to. I don't think, unless I was conned into going like I was a few years ago. Yeah. And I'm actually forever appreciative that my friend conned me into going by not telling me that it was bike week. Really? Because uh, I've met a lot of great people and I've had a lot of fucking fun out there, man. That's cool. And and now I really look forward to going out there. Like, uh, my, we do an event at Boogie East. I say we. I don't really have anything to do with it except for talking <laughs> about it and showing up. Cool. But it's at Annie Oakley's. It's a sweet little bar. You got Willie's Tropical Tattoo. They do a show on Thursday. Nice. They started doing the Sons of Speed racing a couple years ago. I've gotten into Supercross over the past few months, so I think I'm going to try and break into the Supercross race while I'm there. Oh, that's nuts. Good on you. 
Yeah, and uh, they're doing some hooligan racing, but they're uh, they're, they're they're being a little snotty about it. They don't. I don't think they're going to let any amateurs race, and I'm not trying. Uh, I mean, I am trying to race with the big boys if they'll let me, but I don't. I don't think they're going to. They've already filled up. Yeah, uh, so I think a lot of times they'll just have they'll have forty people, twenty people per race, right? I mean, it gets a little hectic. Yeah, I mean, they drew the line at thirty people. They got thirty cool. entries. Okay, so well, that's cool. And that'll be at the American flag, like the AFT race, the big boys. Cool. So. What have you been doing with Supercross? Yeah. You've been hitting that track there? Oh, you've been hitting a track over there? Or? Yeah, we got a track here that I hit every once in a while. Then uh, I just, I guess now that my kid's been riding, I've got, I've been riding a lot more dirt. And I fucking love, I mean, that's where I started was riding on the dirt. That's cool. And uh, I got away from that as uh, I got old enough to drive and drink and smoke dope. Right. And then I got into riding on the street which i really enjoy and it was you know one thing i always wondered was like all the guys that i grew up riding dirt bikes with none of them have road bikes like none of them ever made the switch when when they got old enough to have a street bike they never no none of them ever did it and i I was always kind of curious but now that i've gotten back into riding on the dirt i know exactly why because riding on the dirt is so so much fun yep. and you don't have to worry about other fucking people in their cars yep. and right. it's just you can't I don't know I think that has something to do with it where they don't get the same thrill by just kind of riding on the street when they're used to ripping around and burns and throwing dirt and jumping over shit and like not having to stay on their side of the road Right. so right. I think that's why a lot of them never made the switch because it just didn't it wasn't as appealing but since my kid's been riding you know we got them got him the mini bike got the younger one another mini bike and then i borrowed a big bike from a friend and nice dude i just i'm just ate up with riding in the dirt again that's another reason i turned that fucking harley into a dirt bike that's cool oh that's great yeah no i uh i had a roommate for a while and her and her wife uh, moved from san antonio to hang out with me for a while, and I had met her through uh, some friends in Austin. Well, an ex-girlfriend I had in Austin. But anyway, she was really good at uh, motocross, and boy, she would just fly through the air. It was terribly exciting. And she was in her early 20s, but she was always happy to jump on a street bike, and she had to explain to me that there is a big difference. And I agree. I I mean, I hit the dirt track a few times on one of my little dirt bikes, or something and and it's 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 hell i mean it's just nuts compared to riding on the street so i'd, I'd rather ride on the street but i i totally understand the dirt <laughs> bike part you know although i will tell you i am getting excited uh i don't know if it's going to be this year or next year but i've outfitted a honda rebel to do off-road and i'm excited to hit the trans-american trail you, know, you can go across country mostly off-roads uh father and some team have mapped it in the last few years so i'm kind of excited to do that on a rebel 250 i think that'd be a lot of fun yeah so i got a big uh, adventure bike too that i'm going to start doing some off-road stuff with cool cool what kind of bike is that it's an uh 06 ultra classic Jeez, louise <laughs> I, I, now i've taken those off-road with uh not too much uh well i think the radio broke but yeah 
That's great. Yeah, that's going to be my adventure bike. That's I, killer. Uh, I picked up a cheap Ultra Classic and had a good friend of mine, Boston Billy, B&B Racing. He rebuilt the motor. The motor was toast. Mm-hmm. That's why I got such a good deal on it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to have, you know, a, a brand new twin cam and an Ultra Classic for less than less than four grand is what I'll have in it. Nice. And I'm going to put some these. I've been running these 16 inch Duro tires on my chopper. Uh-huh. And they've got, some, it's like an adventure sport fucking tire. I don't know what they are, but they got some grips, some knobs. And I'm actually going to go down to South America later this year on it. What? And I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that bike. Most places, most people won't ride their fucking Africa twins, dude. Good. Good. It deserves it. I'm sure you'll do just fine and have a good time. I mean, yeah, oh, I know I will. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be pretty fucking awesome. Actually, I'm going to pick up that motor on the way to Daytona. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't know how long you've been listening to my show, but I do uh, these road shows. Like when I first went to Daytona, I would just kind of record snippets on the road, like as shit would break on my chopper, or I'd run out of gas or nice. run into just traffic or sea accident just whatever happens out there on the road i would just pull out my phone and record a little bit nice and then i would mix it down to some music to kind of make people feel like they were on the road with me mm. i don't and, know how uh, i missed that that's great yeah man it was, i gotta people really enjoy them i hear all the time how i need to do more of them. yeah and uh last year i didn't have as much luck riding around last year because i was i put myself under these time constraints right and I would have to be at these places. And when you're riding around an old fucking 59 panhead, you uh, you kind of got to go with the flow. Yeah. You know, amen. like, yeah. you can't push it that hard. And right. so I thought maybe I needed to build a fucking Evo chopper because mm-hmm. those are way more bulletproof. But then, you know, like, uh, that, there's not as much that's going to happen with it. I mean, I might run out of gas still. I mean, it seemed like <laughs> most of the time my bike would give me trouble was my key switches or batteries like the motor i only had the motor crap out on me twice after covering thousands of miles so right right. but uh i kind of got away from that and trying to make the shows and making commitments to being at the shows that the road shows didn't happen as much as they i wanted them to last year right and i'd also started doing podcasts over the phone like this which mm-hmm. uh i'm not against but i was I was trying to keep it more face-to-face. So what I've decided is now that I'm fixing to have this fucking couch that will cruise down the highway at high rates of speeds, Uh um, instead of doing them over the phone, I'm going to do some crazy trips, like in and out, you know? Instead of calling somebody on the phone, I'm going to jump on that Ultra Classic, knock out six to 1,000 miles, in a day, yeah. do a podcast and ride back home. That's great. And also kind of do ro- make a road show out of it as well. And uh, anyways, that's kind of the plan with the bagger. That's what I've been telling myself anyways. Since I'm going to have a geezer glide, I might as well take advantage of it. And uh, I got a friend who lived in Peru for about 30, not 30 years, maybe, Fuck, maybe 30 years. I don't know, like 20 nice. years at least. Nice. And he grows dope in Colorado now. Uh-huh. And he's been one. He's been wanting me to go down there, and I told him, I was like, fuck, I'm going to ride down there and meet you. And he ended up moving here uh, before I got to go meet him. Right. So anyways, 
he's going to fly down there sometime in November, and I'm hoping to meet him on the Ultra Classic and just ride all the way there. It it is very important to make sure you have the ride that can you know make it in such a way. I mean, the fifty nine's cool. I know my pops hopped a few places across country on his back in the day, but it's so nice. That's why I love the KZ one thousands. I think I had one hundred and eighty thousand miles on this engine I just took out, and I rebuilt it three times. And the, it's a nineteen eighty nine, but all the cop bikes were the same for the years there. Anyways, it's a great excuse to make sure you got a ratchet scoot that can haul ass cross country. Yeah, I mean that that's the shows were kinda just my way of writing a book. I uh Great. just kinda documenting the travels on the spot. You know, and it's kinda weird, you know, like as shit's kinda breaking down or I notice something's happening, I'm like kinda thinking out loud. And when I listen back, I'm like, You fucking idiot, why that's... you know, like obviously that wasn't the problem. But right. you know, when you when you record it on the spot you know, there was like a vulnerability there and, and right. I would just put them out. You know, like I'd never edit. I didn't, you know, there was, there wasn't many times where I was like, that is too fucking retarded. I can't <laughs> put that in the podcast. Like I would just fucking swallow my pride and put it out there. You know, that's like, great. Yeah. I can see how, so I did a trip last year where I left our place in New Mexico yeah. and rode up to Denver, then rode to Sturgis and then went over to Yellowstone down to the salt flats for speed week and then Moab and back to New Mexico. And it was, it was a great trip and it was the only successful trip I did on my chopper last year. Right. And I didn't do a road show. Like I didn't record. I, I went on this trip. I was like, fuck it. The road shows haven't been working. So I'm just going to like, just do this for me. And it, and it was perfect. You know, like I didn't have any time constraints. The trip went amazingly. But it was so epic, and I didn't document any of it. So right. I tried to, I tried to write it all down. Like I fucking, I think I'm up to like fifteen or twenty thousand words, and I'm only like ten. I'm probably, I don't even think I'm ten days into the trip. That's great. And dude, r- trying to recall and write it back out and keep it interesting. Amen. That is difficult. It is difficult. I know. I worked at did, it for two years. Did you years. take notes along the way? No. Did you plan on writing a book? No, no, not at all. I'll, I, it wasn't that at all. It was, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, it was a few life events regarding relationships and different, uh, different bullshit that a middle-aged single man deals with. And I'm just the type of person who sits down and, and write, you know, I just, I just want to sit down and write it out. And as I journal and write it all out, I realized, well, I should turn this into a book and share this experience. And I started asking people and they were like, Fuck yeah, Bob, you really need to do that. So my book, it does cover philosophy, you know, being a middle-aged man. And at the time I had a squirrely bisexual girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. And But a lot of it is how to race a chopper cross country. You know, I, I came in ninth in the last stampede, just under two and a half days. So a lot of it's that, you know, but it really is adventure and dealing with all that you have to deal with, dealing with the road, dealing with the weather, dealing with boy, it rained a lot, you know, and putting on my rain suit or not putting on my rain suit, just getting wet and just killing it, you know, and having the bike break down and having to patch it back together, having all my friends pass me. Cause I, I only do 85 maybe, you know, I mean, I try to make sure I'm not screaming to the law and I'll go a little slower around the towns. And I mean, you know, Jer and all those, I mean, they just passed me doing a hundred. They were calling me slow Bob. And then I ended up finishing a day ahead of them. So go figure, you know, it was, it was all that kind of cool stuff. 
So well, anyway. I don't want to get into it too much. I'm going to have you on my show, and we're really going to dive into that race. Killer. Uh, yeah. I was just curious if you like if you had planned on writing the book ahead of time because trying to recall that trip. Yeah. Like it, it's just so difficult. Like, and then I'll talk to somebody about it, and I'll recall more shit, and I'm like. I fucking just I gave up because I thought I was doing such a terrible job of writing everything. Yeah, well, and you then, could always write it in shorter stories. I mean, I that's one benefit about what we're doing here with American Roadrunners. I've got the website, and so I've got a great place for people who want to share their stories to write it out. You can literally write it out, whatever it may be. Maybe you want to pick a jaunt, um, you know, Taos uh, to. Uh, you know Sturgis or, or wherever pick a jaunt and write it to me and I'm happy to edit it and put it up on the website for you so you got somewhere to showcase your story you know you can share your story yeah I may do that I mean what's crazy it's like it, the whole trip is like it, it's like a whole story and I haven't figured out how to put it out because the first night I, I mean the first spot that I stayed at was Red Rocks right and then at the end of the trip I stayed in Moab Nice. Like a different set of red rocks, right? You know, and right. it's like every, like the whole, the way the whole trip happened, it was just fucking amazing, and it's like it's just so much. I think, and so I've been writing it like day for day, detail for detail, where I know a lot of it needs to come out, but I feel like if I write it that way, it helps me find everything, and then I can, you know. It's going to be a mess to edit. That's that's for sure. Well, and that's okay. Um, there's all you know. We all have different styles of writing. I like to do what's called seat of my pants writing or pants writing, where I just sit down and start writing, and then when I'm done doing that, then I go back through and and you know do a grammatic edit and make sure everything's cool. Then I go back through and figure out is this what this wants to say? Is that what that wants to say? And is it really worth reading is it something i would read you know and that's what i'm interested in because I'm, I'm working on my second book now and i'm having a really good time oh I'm, shit you're doing it again you oh yeah no no i'm doing it again man yeah and the second one is i think even better um well i think just because it deals with it deals with uh you know last year going up to sturgis i uh i did a ride one k in a day on the way there with my pops and then uh, uh, after Sturgis and hanging out with a bunch of friends there, I headed to the east side of the state to Aberdeen to my family's plot. And I put my pop's ashes in the family's plot, you know, and I did it all on his motorcycle. So he was riding there in the saddlebag the whole time. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. I heard you tell that story on a previous podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It really, you know, it, it really meant a lot to me to get to do that for my pops. And it's just a promise that I made to him and, so I kept it and that <laughs> I buried him in his saddlebag. So that scoot of his only has one saddlebag these days. So anyway, so that, that, that'll awesome. be the second book, uh, give or take and, you know, different funky stuff that's going on uh, in my life. And how do I, well, that'd be a good one. I mean, how, you know, how does one take all the time off to do, you know, cause I do land speed racing as well, which takes time and, I love to travel cross country and I got a few good shows I'm hitting this year. Uh, I work for the government myself. And so I turn all my overtime into time off and that's how I get the time off. Um, I don't know. How, how are you doing it? 
You got a go- you got one of those government jobs, huh? Yeah, let me I've let me hear it. Guys. I've heard it all. Three Bring it on. Lean, three guys leaning on a shovel and one guy digging. Yeah, we put our pockets upside down so we can lean on the shovels just right. We don't even have to put our hands on the shovel <laughs> to lean on them. It's a good one. No, mm. I uh, so you know before I like decided to settle down with the family. Yeah, I. Uh, I travel with the band, you know, I'm, I'm used to like, Oh yeah. I, I grew really fond of living, you know, on the road and not having much, not having much, you know, like being okay with that. Like not fuck. I can go two weeks without showering, like at my own house. Like I, I'm just yeah. fucking okay with being a grease ball out there. And, yeah. uh, you know, once I met my wife, I realized like, she was like, if I was going to have kids, she had to be the one to raise them. So, you know, I, I tied her up and uh, made her marry me. Perfect. And then we had our first kid and I slowed down and I, I got a job and made some money one winter working up in Wyoming. Nice. And it was the first money that I'd ever saved, man. I had a little over 10 grand and I came back from Wyoming and, you know, the kid was about to pop out and I. And I told my wife, I was like, you know what? I cannot look like a pussy in front of my own son. Yep. I need a fucking motorcycle. Yep. So I went and blew all that money I saved on a fucking Harley Softail. Cool. Like a 2007 Heritage Classic. And I was broke again. But I had a motorcycle that way. Yeah. You know, I was teaching my son. You know, I didn't want him to see me without one. And, uh. And then my dad came to me and asked me if I wanted to start flipping houses because he didn't he didn't like the the oil field work, you know. I think yeah. he he wanted me to be closer to the kids, yeah, and uh, not something so dangerous. Cause his thought of oil field work was what you know I think what his brother did back in the day when it was like really really uh, right. way a lot more dangerous, yeah. you know. Like they they've cleaned that field up quite a bit. Oh yeah, and. Uh, so I took him up on that. We did. We flipped some houses, and cool. We did all right with that, and and I and I was still playing with the band. So a couple months out of the year, we would we would go on these short tours, and I started taking my motorcycle and my guitar and my skateboard. Nice. And man, that is the way to tour with the band, Amen. dude. Is do it on a motorcycle. And when we did that, it kind of like that motorcycle like put a wedge in the band. It kind of drove us apart because mm. when you're out on the road with your band, you're like, you know, you're like on a team, you yep. know, like you're out there together. Yep. And when I'm just like, after the shows, I just say, peace, I'll see you guys in the next town. And I take off on my motorcycle. I think there's a little bit of animosity there, you know, when they're just stuck together. Right. And it drove a wedge and I ended up just, just leaving one day on the road. And yeah. I was, Fuck, I was a long way from home, and I just rode home. Yeah. And uh, I hadn't played music again since then. And and I was drinking heavily, man. I got five DWIs. I got my last DWI, like, right before my second kid was born and decided that I needed to clean it up. So I quit drinking. Good on you. I got rid of the the new bike, and that's when I traded my twin cam for a shovel head. I thought I needed to spend more time in the garage wrenching than I did out you know, traveling around. Oh yeah. But I guess the road kept a calling dude. And I got that fucking shovel head tuned up just right. Was able to start traveling on it. When I quit the band, there was no like creative outlet, you know, like I wasn't creating anything. I wasn't like putting stuff out there. And 
and when I was doing that house remodeling and flipping, and I did that house in New Mexico that my dad had bought, and I was traveling back and forth listening to podcasts. Nice, nice. And Joe Rogan, he right. uh, he was like the main one I was listening to, and he'd have all these comedians on back then that they had never been on a podcast, you know? Uh-huh. And they'd always come in and they'd be kind of nervous, like, oh, I don't know what this is, you know? And fuck, 20 minutes in, they'd be like, damn, this is great. And Joe Rogan would always say, man, you should start your own podcast. Uh And although he wasn't exactly talking to me, he was talking to me. Right, right. And I was like, man, I know a bunch of colorful people. I should start my own podcast. So I did. That's great. And uh, that's what kind of kicked the podcast into gear. And and I started doing that, doing the road shows, and it started building, and I started getting a, you know, following that I thought was probably marketable to, uh, you know, to maybe a company might want to sponsor my podcast. But one thing I've always been held a lot of pride in, like who I work for. Right. You know, like if I'm making you money, I need to believe in like the way you live your life. You yeah. know, like what you do with that money, I make you. Yeah. And for any company that was like big enough to give me a chunk of change worth me jabbering about for 30 seconds at the beginning of every podcast they just you know those companies are too big and i and i just you know i wasn't i've reached out to a couple and you know not any response that was uh you know that made me think there's a possibility and i came up with the idea thanks to my sister-in-law of starting a subscription t-shirt company right where i feature motorcycle shops from around the country Mm mm-hmm Every, every month I feature a new motorcycle shop from around the country. And, yeah. you know, I find these shops because they've helped me. They've helped somebody I know. They've, like, you know, they've helped me on the road or just, you know, they're giving back to the community. By featuring them, we find, like, look, we just find the coolest artists we can find on the Internet yeah. and get them to design it, a custom one-off design that we print that one month and I send out to all my subscribers That's great. with a postcard has pictures of the shop, where they're located, what they specialize in, and anything that they want to put out there to help anybody that might get one of these t-shirts. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm jumping off the ledge and that's really, I blew through all the savings I had from the other adventures. And sure now, uh, it's just, I'm making this work and I'm making some moves to also give back to these shops, even more so than just spreading your name. Uh, so it's working, man. I got a nice. great loyal following that I can't thank enough. That's how I'm making this happen. You know, I was just taking chances at first, uh, just blowing money that I probably should have been saving and time right. that I should have been spending elsewhere, maybe. <laughs> right. But uh, no, I've been there. No, I know. know I, uh, I know my friend Connie. She's a big fan of your uh, T-shirt. She does that awesome podcast, Girl on a Moto. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, every I think the coolest part about it is how stoked everybody is. You know, right. the shops, artists, uh, the subscribers, you know, like, you know, the shirts now, I mean, we print the date in them. We let the artist do a signature on the tag. I mean, they're, once you see them on the internet, you're not getting it. You know, like, you're right. too late. Right, right. Like, you, like you, get, you don't get to pick and choose your T-shirts. Or, I mean, this is all people that are supporting the cause and uh thanks to them the future shops that i'm gonna feature like we're really i'm like i got some plans and 
it's really going to be cool to see this thing grow like it has been. And uh, if the momentum keeps up, I got some really cool things planned for the future. So I'm, I'm really stoked. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, it sounds amazing. I'm a big fan of it. I, uh, when I looked at the outline, I thought, how the heck is this guy making this work? But, boy, you're killing it, man. Good on you. Because you're right. It's all about the community of riders, and I enjoy the list of that community of riders because how many times have I been in the middle of nowhere, broken down, getting stuff back together, uh, you know, whatever it may be. So it's uh it's it's good you're it's good you're able to get everyone in one place putting out shirts and art and everything else. Yeah, I mean it's cool like seeing some of the subscribers when they hear about a shop and it's like, you know, a few hours from their house and right. they just decide on one weekend they're gonna ride to that shop just to say, Hey, you know, like I, I don't know, it's really cool. But and then, you know, seeing those shops help out, like uh it's just really cool the way everybody's come together and really embraced the idea. And uh, it's really becoming a club. I mean, it. Re- I mean, I call it a T-shirt subscription club, and it's, yeah. uh, you know, for lack of better terms, it's it's like a motorcycle T-shirt club. That's right. Know? That's right. That's good stuff. It really is. I mean, when you see somebody else with one of these T-shirts on, you know how they got it. You know, you know that they they know about the company because they're subscribers, or they know about the podcast, and uh, it's pretty cool. That is way cool. I totally agree. Well, good for you. Well, what's in the uh, what's in the near future other than a little hooligan racing? Well, Daytona, like I said, yeah. and then uh, after Daytona, come back and we have Giddy Up down in New Braunfels. Oh yeah, which I'm is a always fan. just a fucking great show. I talked to Velarde today. He's actually coming down for that. Is he? Is he? He's willing to yeah. make it. Last time I talked to him, he was. Well, I guess I shouldn't tell his story, but I think his comment. I think the deer slayer busted down on him. Oh, you know, I heard it from Jer. The deer slayer busted down on Velarde, and he's like, man, (laughs) I wish I could say it the way Jer said it. I'm telling someone else's story, but he goes, man, I'm just going to get a convertible and feel the wind in my hair that way. I don't know about these old motorcycles. (laughs) And we all went, well, that's a good idea. Why are we on motorcycles? Let's all just get convertibles. What the hell's wrong with us, you know? Oh, that's yeah, good stuff. I mean, that's that's not a terrible idea, but I mean, you could also just get a fucking bagger, man. Yeah. Well, I've got uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've got my dad's thirteen hundred. That's got that fairing on there that he loved. Well, he made the machine that made that fairing, so that's why he was such a fan of it. And then I've got my Goldwing, of course. But no, I've been there a few times myself to the Giddy Up. I'm a fan. I did not go last year, but I went the few years before, so it was nice. Well, to you see. know what's cool about it is just. You know, it's a lot of the people from up north come down. They've been yep. they've been working in their shops all winter. They haven't been able to ride, and they get down here to Texas, and they're all so fucking stoked that they can unload their bike and ride. The weather's nice, the roads are great. Yeah, there's swimming holes, uh, so it's just there's just like a buzz in the air from from everybody that shows up. You know, like it's a, it's a really fun event, man, and. Uh, and the weekend after that, we're doing a new event called the Fandango. Right. I heard you talking about this. Yeah. Tell us all yeah, about it. Yeah, put on by uh, the Cherokee chapter of the AMCA, the Antique Motorcycle Association. And they're wanting it to be like, uh, it's going to be the next Washington or Davenport, man. It's going to be a huge nice. swap meet. We got a track. Uh, there's going to be flat track racing, drag racing. There's a music venue there. There's going to be a custom motorcycle show antique motorcycle show 
It's in Fredericksburg, which is right around the corner from Lukenbach. You may be familiar with that place. Oh, I'm way familiar. And, Although, uh, I, last time I was there, I got a ticket. So, I vowed not to do business in that town anymore. But, yeah, I understand. Good for what, them. <laughs> what did you get a ticket? How do you get a ticket in Lukenbach? You must have been riding a, a jet bike. No, no. Listen, it can, dude, I got a ticket. <laughs> So I'm so I'm going down the two not two ninety right. I'm going down the two ninety, and I'm just uh, west. I think. Hold on, hold on. We don't call it the two ninety here oh, in Texas. New share. You're just going down two ninety, all right? Right, right. So I'm going down two ninety, and uh, <laughs> it's a Sunday, I reckon. And there are some slow drivers, so I go to pass them because they're doing fifty five. And as we all know, the speed limit's sixty. And all of a sudden, I see this big SUV flip a U turn next to me. And he starts chasing me and he goes, you were, I clocked you doing 62 coming at, and he pulls me over. I clocked you doing 62. And then, well, so I saw him behind me with his lights on. So I went to get out of the way and then he clocked me doing 66, trying to get out of his way. And I said, I'm trying to get out of your way, state trooper bacon. And then I couldn't <laughs> stop to laugh. So I, <clears throat> I just started smirking. He goes, well, that's a citation. I, yes, sir. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm on my freaking gold wing for crying out loud. Oh, my God. It was nuts. No, I used to I used to fly quite a bit back between uh, California here and Austin. So thirteen hundred forty two miles doorstep to doorstep. So. But yeah, that, that was. Yeah, nice. you're familiar with that country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a few times I've been. Well, a handful of times, but. And I've uh, been pretty lucky to explore all the areas around there while I was there. So, uh, although I flew quite a bit too, but it was always nice to spend a, well, I could get there in 16 and a half hours or something. I mean, you get through West Texas at night on a Goldwing. Holy heck, it's not hard, man. Yeah, I mean, fuck. I, the speed limit's 80 miles an hour out there. I was on my twin cam one time and I had it just pinned, man. I was yeah. going 110, 115, whatever it hold at. And, right. uh, the cops just, they would just pull up behind me. They'd never turn their lights on. Because, you know, like, at that speed, you don't slow down and try and act like you're going to speed limit. You know, like, nah. you just fucking hold it, you know? Right. You know, right. And the cops just kind of come up behind you, I guess, close enough to read your plates to make sure it's not stolen. Right. And then they just back right off. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've been lucky. I always like to follow a car because usually it's deer season. Although Jerry and I were chatting about that the other day, we wouldn't mind getting your take. We reckon the smaller Texas deer you got running around, we reckon a Goldwing could plow through one. What's your opinion? I think uh, I think it depends on how you're riding that Goldwing. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, you know, he's from Colorado. See, my, so. my thought is, is if you go fast enough, they're not. They don't have time to get out in front of you. you okay. Know, they're gonna They're gonna be in the road behind you. So if you just go fast enough, you're pretty much safe. Yeah, okay. There you go. No, I, I never mind tucking behind a car, you know, if I can if I can get a car that's really moving. And I clipped one once. I killed a jackrabbit. I did yeah, I clipped a jackrabbit. I suspect I killed him because boy, that hurt hitting my foot. And uh a, oh I had a hawk hit me. I suspect it was a hawk, like hit hit my helmet. Just tap tap my windshield on the gold wing, then tap my helmet. Boy, that really hurt. But you know, the deer there oh boar, wild boar. Luckily those things are always four or five feet apart. You know, they're not all confused like deal. Wild boar are always four or five feet apart. So if you see one, 
you got to aim for its ass because the next one's going to you're going to you're going to get through on a motorcycle. Don't ask me how I know that, but West Texas taught me that. Yeah, I think sometimes, dude. <laughs> I, the boars, dude. Those pigs are, dude. They're out of control, man. They're, it's I, nuts. Uh, I haven't had any bad experiences, but actually, this this bagger, this adventure bike here in my shop, the guy that owned it before me, he had one like chased him down around a turn and like ran past him and then ran in front of him. Oh my god! So wow, yeah. Wow. But, so the deer, yeah. That's one thing about. That area in Texas down there, Fredericksburg, New Braunfels, where Giddy Up is. Yeah. At night, the deer, it's insane how many deer there are down there. Yeah. No, there really is. No, I saw one running down the middle of the street in Fredericksburg at like two in the morning. And I, I pull up next to him and I said, Hey, you're drunk. Go home. And he just kept running down the middle of the street. He didn't care. He just, they just don't care. They're so used to people. Hey, you're drunk. Oh, he didn't care, man. He just kept running. He just glanced at me and kept running down the middle of the street. Oh, it was great. I do believe it, man. I do believe it. It was great. It is a nice town, though. I really, I, I enjoy being there. I, I just have animosity because yeah. a state trooper, Bacon, gave me a ticket. So That is kind of funny. Oh. I mean, I, I don't know how you wouldn't have laughed. I, I'm sure nobody argues yeah. with the man. Because they just can't, you know, they can't get over it. And he was very cordial, very professional, very polite, very, but, oh, my gosh. The the last ticket I got here in town just a few months ago was from a moto cop named Fast, F-A-S-T. And I just, oh, God, same thing. I just started, I, I can't stop laughing. You're a moto cop and your last name's Fast? Oh, my gosh. That's, that's. That's a first. Uh, that that's a first, and and you know, with my job, I'm around law enforcement all day long, and uh, uh, you know, I I just get real comfortable. I, I'm in my uniform, they're in their uniforms, and and it's kind of cool because they're always asking me motorcycle questions because they all ride. I mean, when we pull up to work, where I park, there's always like 30, 40 motorcycles. And I'm just going a few miles. To Holy work. shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, everybody rides. That's the thing about law enforcement, that everybody rides. So you're not going to get away with anything on a motorcycle, law enforcement. But they're really cool. They're always busy asking me questions. Hey, uh, I think I got a leak here. or I think this isn't working here. And so I'm always working on their bikes with them and helping them out. And it's um, nice of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're all. It's not kind of co-workers. I mean, we all, they're not co-workers, but we work, you know, near each other in the same buildings and whatnot. And they, uh, they, they have a lot of fun, but they know because whether it's raining or whatever, I ride my bike every day to work. And uh, so sometimes it's just me. And then, you know, come summertime, there's 30 or 40 bikes trying to get in the same few spots we got for motorcycles there. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I don't know if you've heard, but I, I own a few motorcycles, so it, it works to just kind of ride a different one every day to work. Yeah, that's 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 the way to do it, is to have multiples. Right, right. They're not girlfriends. You can I have got, lots of them. I, I got multiple bikes and one license plate right now. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what bike I, I picked up last year? Uh, it's a really cool, it's a 79 XT500. Whoa, all right, now you're talking. Yeah, just a little fucking thumper, man. It is a fun bike, dude. That's cool. That's way cool. Good for you. But I reckon yeah. you got to do inspection tags down there, right? They put inspection tags on the plates, I think, in Texas. Is that right? 
Nope, not anymore. I just have an antique plate that goes on all my bikes. That's great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. It's, close, it's tagged to where it'll last till 2023, but it's probably not going to make it through this year before I have to go get another one. Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I uh, I probably spend about three grand a year here in California keeping everything registered. So it's a pricey God venture. Blessed, yeah, it and it keeps getting pricier. So I've I've moved a few of them around, but a good handful of my bikes I just use for specific racing. So a lot of them I don't need to register. They're gotcha. all uh, gotcha. you know, yeah. So that really helps. Yeah, I think I'm gonna make a trip to California at least once this year. Cool. Let me maybe, know. Maybe maybe more than that. Uh, but after after Fandango, the next big event I gotta talk about is Run to Raton in New Mexico. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember a few fellow Stampeders did that last year. How's that work for you? Oh man, I mean JP Rodman, dude, he is just one of the nicest nicest dudes out there. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I met some of your Stampeders at the last year. Fuck, maybe even the first one. I think there was. Uh, I think I met Jared. Maybe I met Jared in Sturgis, or maybe it was Run to Raton. Hell, I don't even remember now. And AJ. Yeah, yeah, they all start running together. And then I met uh, Aaron Bowen on the way to Sturgis last year on the highway. Yeah, old Skip. That's cool. And uh, yeah, dude, the Stampeders. You guys are out there, dude. I see y'all. I see y'all on the highways and at the events. Oh yeah. Uh, I was telling Jer I would love to do a podcast with every single person that ever competed in the Stampede. Well, there's probably only a hundred plus of us. Some of us are hard to find, but there might only be a hundred. Oh, we came up with a number once. We said it had to be less than 150 and more than a hundred. I'm sure. I mean, it's all Nomad Charlie's fault. You know, Nomad Charlie would have all the names and numbers, I reckon. And EDR, are you going to be down in EDR? So that's where my that's where my planning stopped because I cool. wasn't able to pull the trigger. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent on that yet. Yeah, no worries. Uh, well, it is another country. It can be a bit of a hop, especially from your vantage. So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm going to go a lot further than that in November. Cool. So. I think in, while everybody goes to EDR, I'm just going to go ahead and go to Mexico myself and get my teeth fixed. Cool. Get a nice fucking gold tooth put in. Nice. Nice. That'll be good. Yeah, I heard you mention something about it. That'll be cool. Yeah, that's, I think that, that that may be what I do. While everybody does the EDR, I'm going to go on my own El Diablo run. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> well, if you end up making it, I know we got a room. I reckon you might have to share it with 28 other dirty riders, but we have a good time. And I know it's always a juggle for me, too, with my land speed racing. Uh, you know, with my land speed racing club, uh, I still serve as sergeant at arms. And, boy, I might only make half the meets at El Mirage. I may or may not make Bonneville. I mean, planning it is always hard because I, I think you end up going through a shift. You know, you go from bag and bike to you know my excursion and the trailer you know with the racing bike on the back i mean it it really is a shift i mean you're traveling but getting everything lined up can definitely be a hustle yeah man i i fucking had so much fun at the salt flats last year i didn't know that's i good. was gonna have so much fun that's good it's crazy that, i would love to hang out for that whole week oh yeah well it gets a little you got to be good to yourself because you 
Bring a lot of sunscreen. That's all I'm saying. The salt flats will kill you if you let it. Yeah, fuck, I was out riding around with my shirt off on my chopper and just had an amazing time. That's good. Early, early in the morning, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's good. I know my, my pops and I and my little dude, I think my little dude was three or four the first time he went up there racing with us. So he's 12 now. You know, he's almost getting too cool to hang out with dad, but he's still a good crew chief for the racing team. So. Well, that's handy. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Your little dude will be into it. You'll be dragging him around the same way I drag mine around before too long. Yeah, I'm going to fucking stick him in that adventure bike touring pack is what I'm going to do. There you go. That's perfect. I've seen a few cool dudes like that around. They got their little... Just take the fucking top off and just put him a little pallet back there. He can sit back there Indian style. No, he's just going to have to build his own bike and ride with me. Well, I reckon we'll be running into each other soon enough. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the city up this year, but... I reckon it'll be soon enough. Danger Dan, I appreciate it. Well, hey, you. I appreciate you giving me a chance to tell my stories on this here podcast. Oh, uh, that was great. It's a real honor to be asked to be on somebody else's podcast. Well, it's an honor to have a voice and character such as yourself. I'm glad, uh, you know, a fellow, a fellow, a fellow chopperhead, fellow wrencher, fellow rider. You're doing good things, my friend. Keep it up for us. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you later. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was kind of an honor and a privilege. To that have. was cool. It was very cool. Yeah, I'm a little excited to get this podcast out. It, I, You know, I'm still a big fan when people like me and one Mr. Danger Dan can sit down and have a good conversation, even if it's over the phone. Yeah. It was really good to hear from a fellow podcaster. And, um, you know, I, for one, would like to welcome all the new listeners to the American Roadrunner podcast. We hope you do stick around and listen to some of our hijinks and our stories and some of the guests that we bring on. If you don't know already, our podcast is a little bit of an introduction to motorcycle riding to people who otherwise would love to ride but just don't know anybody to teach them the ins and outs in the beginning of motorcycle uh, riding and just to get more people on the bike, you know? And let's not forget the ultimately important motorcycle writing. Because there is motorcycle riding, and then there's motorcycle writing. So we're excited for all of us to share some damn good stories. Yes, we are. And so we'd like to wrap things up by telling you again about the website, AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. Share your stories. Share your stories. You can find this podcast at AmericanRoadRunnerPodcast.com. Also, the book, American Roadrunner by Bob Marshall. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it in paperback. You can download it. Any which way you like to read it, you can get it. Also on Facebook at American Roadrunner The Book. Now, yeah. when you look at that, American Roadrunner is going to be two words. So, Facebook, American Roadrunner The Book. On Instagram, you're going to find us at American Roadrunner. Now, this time, American Roadrunner is all one word. So, Instagram, Just American Roadrunner. Yeah, we really like to throw you for a curveball here and there. Uh, you can email us comments, questions, concerns. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your stories. We'd like to have you on as a guest if uh, if you got a really good story. So we are at American Roadrunner, the book at gmail.com. And we would like to thank our sponsors. Ride one cane a day. Ride a thousand miles in one day. Get a patch. Get some bragging rights. 
Also got to thank Jake the Flying Dutchman Company. You can find Jake's work at Instagram, The Flying Dutchman Co. That's all one word. And bowmonster.com, where you can find all the artwork that is on the cover of American Roadrunner, the book. You can find all the other really cool stuff that Bowmonster so, does. So, so much more. That man does good stuff. Yeah. And, of course, our intro and outro music by Meek off their album Red Sprite Lightning. It is. Here we are. Enjoy the road, my fellows. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs>